You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. All right, City Tribe Church, thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited. Uh, my name is Lorenzo Gomez III, and I'm so pumped to be here and sort of and continue on this series of checking your gauges. Today, we're going to be talking about fear specifically, and uh, I want to tell you a little bit, a little bit of my story and how it, and how it relates to fear. Uh, but first, I want to open with a with a prayer, and then we're going to go into a scripture. So, if you'll join me for prayer, Lord, I just thank you for everybody that's watching this sermon right now, and I ask that you would just open their hearts and minds and just remind them that fear is not from you, and that you created them so that they could live a life free of fear. Of, and of peace, a life of peace. And I ask that everybody watching right now would be touched by your supernatural shalom peace, the peace that only you can give. And I thank you that right now you are going to loosen the grip that fear has on so many people. And I thank you right now, and we pray and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to dive right into a scripture that has been really important to me uh, when I was growing up, and it's in Deuteronomy 31.6, if you want to read along with me, or you can read it on the screen. And it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And the story of this verse is in the Old Testament, and it has to do with when, when the children of Israel were about to enter the promised land. And Moses tells them this. And he says, I mean, You're about to go into the promised land, and take the inheritance that God promised your fathers, but there's a catch, I can't go with you. And so he sends them off and he sends them with this word of encouragement, don't be afraid, don't be terrified. And I always loved this verse, and I have to tell you that it related to me, and the, the part of my life when I really felt, felt it was when I was going to school. And I felt like probably the children of Israel did when Moses sent them off, when my parents sent me off uh, into public school when I was a little boy. And I have to give you a confession right here off the top of this sermon and tell you that when I was a young boy, I did not uh, honor this verse. And I was someone who quickly let fear take over my life. And, uh, and I hope that this will encourage you to not do the same mistake or repeat the same mistakes that I made. And so I want to tell you a little bit about my story. Um, some of the stories, most of the stories in this sermon come from a book that I wrote that I was published in uh, 2019. Uh, called Tafoya Toro, Three Years of Fear. And it's a book that's about the mental health journey I went on, um, my three years of middle school and a little bit afterwards. And after every chapter, I write a letter from adult me to 12-year-old me to try to grapple with some of these issues. So let me tell you a story. This picture is uh, the street sign where I grew up on, West Edmosa Street. And for those of you not in San Antonio, this is uh, close to the, the urban core. This is the inner city of San Antonio, very close to downtown. And in the back of this picture, you can see this chain link fence bridge that goes from one side of the highway to the other. And on the left side of this picture is a school that you can't see. It's an elementary school called Woodrow Wilson Elementary. And it's the school where my little sister, Maddie, and I went. And every day, my little sister, Maddie, and I would hold hands and we would walk across that bridge uh, home. And one day when we got out of school, I was 11 years old, I was in fifth grade, and I was just a tiny little dude. And so if you can imagine Maddie and I holding hands walking, we looked like those kids who had the backpacks on and the backpacks were 
almost as big as we were. And so we're walking towards the bridge, and that day something was off. Something was irregular. And what we noticed is there were a bunch of big kids out. And that's what, that's what Madi and I used to call middle school and high school kids. Uh, because in San Antonio, the middle school, the elementary school, and the high school all get out at different times so that you can stagger whenever there's mixing of the ages. And so none of these kids were supposed to be out. And so we were very, uh, we were very puzzled by this. And so my little sister, Madi, said, Lynch, why are all these big kids out? And I just said, I don't know. And so as we walked towards the bridge to go home, there was about 50 big kids sort of behind us and in front of us, and they were walking in the same direction we were. And as we got to the top of this bridge that you see in the picture, there was another 50 big kids coming from the other side of the bridge. And as we were walking, I actually felt like we were two ghosts, like we could have walked right through them and nobody would have noticed us. And so Madi and I got to, the, got to our house and we couldn't go inside. We were so curious about what was happening that we decided to just stand on the porch and watch. And these two groups came together. And as they came together, they sort of stopped in the middle of the bridge and a couple of them were talking. And then all of a sudden, as if lightning had hit the bridge, this huge 100-person gang fight erupted. It was 100 guys in a chain-link cage going at it. And almost as soon as it started, the police came. There were sirens everywhere. And these guys started jumping off the bridge. They started running down and jumping fences, and the cops could only catch a fraction of them. And I remember standing there with my little sister thinking to myself, I wonder if this is a movie. But it turned out quickly that it wasn't a movie, that this was real life. And this had been a fight between two gangs that had been meaning to do this for a while. And so this is a little bit of the preview of what I was going to experience in the next three years. So the following year, when I was going to go to middle school, my mom told me, she said, there is a new magnet program in a school called Tafoya on the west side, and you can learn a foreign language there, and so you're going to go to that school. And I said, sweet. And I said, I can finally learn Spanish because I feel like a broken Mexican. And she said, nope, you're going to, turn, you're going to learn Latin. And I was like, ah, oh. and, I, and I fought my mom because I didn't want to learn Latin. And my grandma even said, who's he going to speak Latin to, the Pope? Uh, but my mom was the boss. And so I said, fine, I'll, I'll speak Latin. And so I went, I joined and got accepted to this special middle school called Tafoya. Um, and this is a picture of it uh, that, that you can see. And what I didn't know at the time as a 12-year-old was that Tafoya was a special school. They had this amazing program. But there was another side of Tafoya that I wasn't prepared for. Tafoya is in a zip code in San Antonio that actually happens as of last year to be the most economically segregated zip code in the entire country. And I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know at the time that it was right across the streets from this built from from these projects that you see in the picture. These are the Alazan Apache courts, and these courts are some are one of the oldest housing projects in the United States. It was built in 1939. And it was a source at the time I went there of a lot of gang violence. And I didn't know that. Um, I also didn't know, as you can see in this picture, that when I was on the west side going to school, during that time period, if you walked anywhere on the whole west side of San Antonio, there was only one building you could see from everywhere. The tallest building in the whole area was Bear County Jail. And this had this chilling psychological effect on me. I could see it from outside. I could see it from out the window of my Latin class. And this was just the setting that I walked into. And so if you imagine all of those variables, and then you drop in this guy. This is 
12-year-old Lorenzo Gomez wearing a Pearl Jam shirt that's two sizes too big. And so if you drop him in that and you go, what is this kid thinking? Well, you might guess. I was afraid. I was terrified. A couple of the things that I didn't know at the time as a 12-year-old was that that year in 1993 when I entered sixth grade, that it was the it was the highest spike in San Antonio's history of drive-by shootings. There was 3.5 drive-by shootings every day. The street that I grew on, West Edmoso Street, was the second hottest spot for drive-by shootings in the city. So much so that the that the San Antonio Police Department had to park um, a a mobile headquarters next to the church near my house so they could monitor the activity. What I also didn't know was that San Antonio was in the middle of a 10-year spike of gang violence. These were parts of my environment that I didn't know. All I knew was that I was a little kid and I was afraid. And so as we're talking about the emotional gauges, the reason we're talking about fear is that fear is one of those things that if you don't get control of it, if you don't fight it, it will affect all of the gauges that, we're, that, we, that, that Doug and staff have been teaching on. And so because of that, I allowed fear to take over my heart and my mind. And because I allowed that, I started telling myself these very unhealthy stories. I started telling myself these stories that weren't true. And I'm just going to give you a couple of them. The first story I told myself was, my environment is not safe. The second one was, all conflict ends in violence. And this was a really bad one because I took this one into my adulthood. And so every time I had a fight with a girlfriend or a boss or a manager or a sibling, I was always thinking this is gonna end in violence and it just wasn't healthy behavior. The, another story I told myself was the adults don't care about me. I shouldn't ask for them for help. I need to figure this out by myself. And the last thing that I, um, that I told myself was it is not safe to explore the world around me. And this really crippled me. I would watch so many of my other friends go and, and they would experiment and they would go try new things, but I was crippled and held back by this debilitating fear. And this was a story that was absolutely not true. And so before I get you two down on my sob story, I wanna take a page from, from Doug's sermon on nature's medicine and show you a picture of my cat Weston, who is uh, sort of the new alpha boss in my life who tells me what to do. And, um, and having, and I didn't know this, I didn't have any pets at the time, but if I'd had, I think I would have coped with it a little bit better. So why are we talking about fear? Why in a series about gauges do we need to talk about fear and the effects that it has on the church and the people around us? Well, I think that this is a special year and not in a good way. I think that this is the year um, that the pandemic and all the things that have happened have turned our society upside down. And I think the year 2020 has become the year of fear. And I think that this is a tragedy because it is preventing so many of us of living our best life. And that fear is so great that it is crippling the people that we love. So here's a couple of things that I think have accelerated uh, 2020 being the year of fear. The COVID-19 pandemic has really, really done a number on our society. And I think what's so sinister about this virus is what I call the fear of the unknown. One of my mentors once told me that he interviewed a Navy SEAL, and this Navy SEAL told him that the greatest fear of all is the fear of the unknown. And when it comes to this pandemic, the fear of the unknown comes out this way. You look around at the office or at a restaurant and you think every single person next to you has it. You don't know who has it. And so you assume everyone has it. And so you're crippled by that fear. I don't want to leave my house. I don't want to, I don't want to get close to someone. And this, is, and this fear, if you don't manage it, will take over your entire being. And it shouldn't be that way. This uh, article is just about how most of the, virus, the, the, 
most of the cases of COVID-19 are spread by people that don't know they have symptoms, right? And so we are letting this fear cripple us. Or maybe you're one of the millions of people that has lost their job or your business has gone under because of COVID-19. So now you have a new fear. It's the fear that I'm not gonna be able to pay my rent, to pay my bills, to provide more for my family. And this is something that people are dealing with all the time. And maybe you're one of them, but I'm here to give you good news and tell you that it doesn't have to be that way. Or maybe you're one of the people that has always struggled with anxiety, with depression, with loneliness, and this pandemic has isolated you even more. And what I love about the Check Your Gauges uh, series um, that Pastor Doug has walked us through is that when we just take a moment out to check on our friends, you have no idea how much you might be filling the cup for someone that is dealing with anxiety and depression. But this is the environment of fear that this pandemic has created, and it's affected all of us. Um, I'm going to show you my two favorite internet memes. Even the internet meme world has taken on the 2020 being the year of fear. This is one of my favorites. It's honestly the worst purchase of 2020. It was a 2020 planner. You know, if, if, if you had plans this year and they're off track, I want you to just post in the comments that, uh, that 2020 derailed your plans. My other favorite meme is so far in 2020. So far, 2020 is like looking both ways before crossing the street and then getting hit by an airplane. Doesn't it feel like the truth? It's just been the year that you can't predict anything. And, um, and all of this is contributing to our fear. But what if I told you that we could tell ourselves a new story about the year 2020? You see, right now, in October, people are thinking, oh, well, you know, the, the rest of the year is written off. We might as well look for 2021. And I think that this is a bad story. I think that we need to reclaim 2020. And so I want to show you a couple things from the scripture. The first thing I want to show you is that fear does not come from God. If you read with me here from 2 Timothy 1.17, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so I want you to post in the comments or I want you to send a text to someone and I want you to remind them, fear does not come from God. I also want to leave you with this big idea today, which is there is no fear when I choose to draw near. When we draw near to God, when we draw near to the promises that he has in the scripture and the things that he has said about us and who we are, we are able to break the chains of fear and reclaim peace in our life. And I want to show you how. Um, I've been doing a lot of research on this, and, um, and, and I want to ask this question, why are we so afraid? Why do we struggle with fear? Why was I so afraid as a young man of everything around me? And I believe, or I will submit two ideas, two answers to why we struggle with fear. I think the first one is, is that we don't know what God's promises are for us. I think that's one of the big reasons we struggle. And I think the second reason we struggle is that we don't know how God sees us. We don't know how he looks at us because if we knew how he looked at us and how, what he thought about us, it would, it would make the fear in our lives completely evaporate. And so I want to walk you through a couple of things. The first thing, let's talk about the promises of God. Um, the Bible is full of promises. On every other page, God is sending promises to us. And, but if we don't pick up the word and we don't read it, we don't know them. So I want to walk you just through a couple of them. There's a promise I will never leave you nor forsake you in Deuteronomy 31.8. He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Are you dealing with loneliness and isolation or rejection? This is the promise that God has given to you. I will never leave nor forsake you. I am the friend that will stick closer than a brother. Is there, is there anyone out there that needs this promise? Why don't you post in the comments? Because God has sent this word for you. 
Uh, this, this other one is one of my favorites from Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? If God takes care of the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, how much more is he waiting to take care of you? These are the promises that God has given you. If you claim them today, it will break the chains of fear. If you draw close to these promises, I promise you, it will help you battle and remove the fear in your life. You want to know someone who believed in the promises of God way before I did, who actually showed me what it meant to believe in the promises of God? In this picture, you see me with my, with my mother, who, uh, who I always refer to as Mama Gomez. And um, I want to tell you a story that's from my book, Tafoya Toro, about Mama Gomez and how she taught me how she believed in the promises of God. Um, when, I was in, when I was in middle school, um, and I mentioned this earlier, that the year I met, entered middle school was the year of drive-bys. There was 3.5 drive-bys every day. And the neighbor next to us on the right of our house had two sons that were always going and shooting up houses. And then there would be a retaliation uh, drive-by a couple hours later. And it happened pretty often. But luckily for our street, there was a network of moms looking out for each other. And the mom of the gang members would call and they would say, hey, my sons just did this and there's going to be a drive-by soon. And so my mom got the word that there was going to be retaliation drive-by that day. And I'll never forget it as long as I live. And so we're sitting there at the dinner table and all of a sudden we looked out the window and we saw about seven guys walking down our street holding guns. It wasn't like they were hiding them. They were there with shotguns and rifles and handguns. And I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I was someone who did not cling to the promises of God. And I hid under the table as fast as I could. But not Mama Gomez. Mama Gomez believed in the promises of God. And my mom was at the window, curtain drawn, on the phone with the cops, ratting out all these guys. She was like, officer, there's a guy in a blue shirt, and he's holding a shotgun, and there's seven of them. And all of my brothers and sisters were screaming and yelling at my mom to stop. Mom, please don't do it. They're going to see you. They're going to shoot us. They're going to do this. We were so terrified, but my mom didn't move a muscle. And at one point, I screamed at my mom. I said, Mom, please, they're going to shoot you. And my mom stopped. She looked back at me, and she said, No, they're not. The Lord will protect us. And she kept on the phone. And sure enough, those guys walked up to the neighbor's house, and it was the standoff for the ages. And when I say standoff, I don't mean the Michael Jackson standoff in the video, Beat It. I mean like this picture from Tombstone. It was the shootout at the OK Corral. And so these guys unloaded their guns. The neighbors unloaded back. The sirens went off. Everybody ran away. And what was so crazy is that after all of the dust settled, not a single bullet had come our way. And I thought to myself as a 12-year-old kid, holy moly, mom was right. The Lord did protect us. You see, my mother knew that she could depend on the promises of God. And it was such a great example for me to know that this is, you don't read the Bible because it's a great story. You read it because the promises of God will come to life when you need them. So I want to show you a picture of a book that's been very helpful for me on my journey to discover the promises of God. It's by Max Licato. It's called Unshakable Hope, Building Your Lives on the Promises of God. And when I read this book, I discovered that there were so many promises that I just didn't know about what the Bible has promised to us. 
And I think that these promises are so encouraging when you say they're there for the taking. They're there waiting for you to discover them, like these little jewels, these hidden treasures. So I want to encourage you to pick up the book. Um, If you're struggling and you want to learn more about the promises of God, um, I would highly suggest that you read this book. The second reason that we struggle with fear is because we do not know how God sees us. We don't remind ourselves how God sees us. And this was something that I had to wait till I was 36 year old to learn in therapy. And when I first went to therapy, I was in the chair. I was talking to my therapist, who's this really amazing man. And I remember he started correcting me and he said, you know, Lorenzo, there's a lot of negative self-talk that, that comes out of your mouth. And I would love for you to re-say those sentences and take out that negative self-talk. And what he taught me was, is that when I said some things like, oh, you know, I'm really bad at math, or, or I'm really, you know, oh, I'm really slow at this, he was telling me, you don't see yourself the way God sees you. And so my therapist started teaching me about the verses in scripture where God shows you what he thinks of you, how he actually views you. So I wanna walk you through just a couple of them. The first one's from Genesis 1:26. You were made in the image of God. How many of you out there need to hear this right now? How many of you out there have ever been told by someone that you're ugly, that you're unlovable, that you're stupid, that, that they don't wanna be with you, that they reject you and everything about you? You have to see yourself the way God sees you. You were made in his image. You were forged in the fires of heaven. There's nothing more valuable in the sight of God than you. Does anybody need to hear that word? Uh, why don't you put it in the comments or why don't you send it to a friend? My other favorite one is Psalms 8, 5. You were created a little bit lower than the angels. This one always blows my mind because I think of angels as this really cool, mythical, you know, sort of Marvel superhero type character. And to think that God created us a little bit below them is just really cool to me. Uh, the next one is Romans eight seventeen. You are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. This is a really hard one sometimes for me to remind myself, but it's in the Bible, which means it's true. We are heirs, which means everything that belongs to God belongs to you. And sometimes we don't think that. We we think we're unworthy of it, but you don't have to earn it. You don't have to prove yourself. You just have to believe and claim the promises of God. The next one is Philippians 1.6. He will finish the good work he started in you. Is anybody out there watching think, You don't know what I've done, Lorenzo. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know my past and my history. This scripture tells you he is not finished with you, that there is a good work, that there is a mission for your life that God has engineered. And if you're not done, he's not done with you. And so will you claim this scripture today with me and take that fear off your back? The last one is he will leave the 99 sheep to find the one. And that one is you. Matthew 18, 12 I love this scripture because when you think about a shepherd leaving the 99, you think to yourself, well, surely he's not going to leave the 99. He's going to protect what he has, protect his assets, and just let that one go away. He will leave the 99 for, for you. And I think that so many times we write ourselves off. We think we're unreachable, we're unlovable. Just let us go hang out there. Save yourself. But the scripture clearly says he wants to find you and he will go and look for you. What an amazing promise from God. Will you claim it today? There are so many people out there that need these promises and that need these scriptures of how God sees you. Why don't you post one that's encouraging to you? And maybe there's one not listed here. Will you put it in the, 
in the chat, or will, better yet, will you text someone that you think needs to hear it? Tell them and encourage them these scriptures, because I'm telling you right now, it will soften up that fear in their heart and help lead them to victory. So this picture right here is of a pen, and um, it might not seem uh, very exciting to most people, but this is one of the most valuable things that I own. And the reason that I own this is that I started going to therapy in my early 30s because I never did a good job of addressing the fear from my childhood. And so I brought all of it with me into adulthood. I brought it into my relationships. I brought it into my work life. I brought it into everything. And one day I was introduced to a Christian therapist by City Tribe Church. And this man was so amazing. And he walked me through all of the stories I was telling myself and taught me how to tell myself a new story. He taught me things like, today I've decided. In the past, I might have done this, but today I've decided. And he gave me tools and rules that I could take out into the real world. And they were so helpful for me. It was like drinking a cool glass of water. And I remember one day, the most important day of my therapy was a day that he walked me through this fear that I had and unwinding it and telling myself a new story. And the day was so important to me that I went out and I bought this pen and I had the date of that therapy session engraved on it, which is 3316. And so I'm here to tell you, the reason I did that was because when that pen was inscribed, I was 36 years old. And that was the first day in that session where I actually felt like I was an adult. It took me that long. And I'm so thankful that my therapist gave me those tools because it's what helped me break the chains of fear through the help, through the scriptures that he showed me. And I want to do the same thing for you. I've come here today to pay it forward because the Lord has told us, the Lord has put it on my heart to, to give this gift back to so many people that are struggling with fear. But here's good news. Here's the best news of the whole story. There was someone else in the Bible who dealt with fear. So many times we feel so alone by our fear and we think nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody could possibly understand. And the scripture says that before Jesus was crucified, he was in the garden of Gethsemane and he was struggling with fear. Will you join me in reading Matthew 26, 38 and 39? Then he said to them, my soul is consumed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And going a little bit further, he fell face down and prayed, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Here we see Jesus crippled with fear. He knows he's going to have to go to the cross. He knows they're going to beat him. He knows they're going to butcher him. And he knows they're going to give him the most painful death that the Romans could come up with. And he gets down and prays and he looks at God and he says, if it's possible for me to not do this, but I will do it because it's what I'm supposed to do. And I think that it's such a great example of us watching Jesus be human. See, we all think that he was just born this God-like person and that he was perfect, but we see Jesus here dealing with real emotions. And in the next verse here, this is the one that always breaks my heart. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And in his anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. Luke twenty-two, forty-four. One of the things that really sets my heart on fire about this scripture is that Jesus was so overcome with fear and anxiety that he sweat drops of blood. And I think that so many people watching, and certainly myself, have felt at one time that you had the weight of the world on your shoulders, 
that you were crippled by all of your problems, that it was too heavy. And here in the scripture, we see Jesus actually had the weight of the world. In this scripture and in this moment in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus knew that he was about to take on the fear and the anxiety and the sin of the entire world, and he was gonna get on that cross. But here's the good news. He did it all for you and me. He did it so that you could have a chance to be free from the fear. That's why he did it. And that is the greatest promise of them all. And so some of you here are watching and some of you want to take the step to loosen the chains of fear, to break the chains of fear in your life. And maybe today you're one of those people that's willing to pray a prayer with me, to accept Jesus in your heart right now so that he can liberate you from the anxiety that you've been carrying, that you can place it on him because he already took it to the cross so that you could be free. If you're willing to do that, why don't you pray this prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you're the God who did not create fear. We thank you that you're the God who wants to liberate us from fear. And Lord, we confess all of our sins right now. We know that we're imperfect people and we know that we've dropped the ball. And Lord, we thank you that 2,000 years ago, your son died on the cross for us so that we wouldn't have to be afraid and that he took our sin with him and we were forgiven and we were redeemed when he did that. And he was killed on a cross and he was buried and three days later, he rose again to show us that he was victorious over death, hell, and the grave and over our fear and anxiety. And I ask right now, Lord, that you, would, that, that you would come into my heart, that I would invite the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ into my heart, that I would be a new creature, and that I would, I would know and learn how to break myself away from fear and see the promises that you've given me in the scripture. We thank you that you're the God who redeems us. We thank you that you have this amazing life designed for us. And we claim it right now, and we thank you for all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're glad you're a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.